awesome. Okay, so let's stand to our feet again and welcome Adrian as Leslie and Leslie as they come. So good, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much, band. You guys did great. Now, you're, this is a very close whiteboard. So good. Good evening, church. Um, it's good to be here again. And uh, we're excited for um, what we're, we're going to share tonight. <laughs> so, um, again, we just say that we're not uh, any kind of health professional or we don't have any gardening certificates, but we have proved um, some things by trying them out on ourselves <laughs> and in our own garden. So if we mention those things tonight, keep that in mind. It's uh, in, in, in something in the progress. Um, we did have a testimony from last week, which was <laughs> Caitlin with the cold shower. So I've been doing it for about five years. Also, Caitlin's been doing it for five years and she hasn't been sick for four and a half years doing it. Another friend of mine did it and she couldn't believe how much energy, energy she had after doing it for a few days. So give it a try. <laughs> Is everyone, everyone's actually saying rhubarb, rhubarb. <laughs> it's okay in, in summer for me, otherwise it's pretty rough in winter. Shall we, the Holy Spirit, please come. Holy Spirit, please come. We just invite you right now, Holy Spirit. You know, you're uh, the, the giver and you're the interpreter. You are the writer and uh, Lord, you, you distill truth to us. And so we invite you. I don't want to jump in without you here, Lord. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, last week we laid a foundation. Um, I'm, I'm pleased to say that it was mostly well-received, really well-received. I was surprised at how well-received it was. Um, and that says something about the stock of the people here recognising where we really are. Uh, at in the world today. And the call upon us, uh, you know, the dreams that I interpreted and shared with you, that the, the, the world is gonna be looking to the church to lead us through. And uh, we wanna be those people, amen? We wanna be the people who know where the answers are. And tonight, um, I'm gonna open up with some slides and then revisit the ancient paths and, and open that up because this church is really renowned for releasing people into their scrolls. And whatever, regardless of your scroll, you will be walking the ancient path. And the more you understand about that, or the, the, the eternal path, or the old paths, um, perhaps may, may capture it a little bit better. Uh, but once we understand the signposts and the, um, the milestones that we are to pass through, uh, and realize that each step of the way, it's voluntary. Each step of the way, we have to push through whatever resistance there is in us and from others around us because people don't understand where we are at. And so I'd like to start off. So there's, you, want, you want to say something now? Yeah, do, um, well, <clears throat> we are overcomers and um, that's some of the stuff we're going to teach you tonight is to be an overcomer. And um, it's a time to speed up what you're learning. Uh, you, you don't want to take 15 years to learn it. So we're going to share some things tonight that'll pull you forward so that you can be ready for the season that's coming up. Amen. Yeah. 
my wife is a font of knowledge with regard to health and she, I would say that she's a health advocate and she's always pulling me into line. And so, uh, and it's beneficial, mostly. <laughs> um, last week, I laid a foundation with the blood and we opened up the Hebrew and we saw that the blood, uh, Adam or dam is blood, Adam means first blood and in Hebrew, uh, ground is Adamah. And so with that, Adamah is, is ground or land. And when you're reading in the scriptures, it's normally that or areas that you read. So it's the, the ground or the land is Adamah or where Adam came from. We all came, or well, Adam came from the dust of the earth and we'd return to the dust. And so we have this element within us. So this is the ground but we also, as humans, are ground as well. And so we have a, this soil that we're standing on, but we also are considered soil ourselves. Uh, the soil beneath our feet has a microbiome. It has microbes and bacteria. And likewise, we have a microbiome. And uh, we are sort of launching into understanding our own gut health 80% of our immune system is based in here. And if we get that right, and that's Leslie's you know, forte, uh, if we get that right, then we are on the way to having divine health. And um, what, I, what I would like to do though, so that's Leslie's gonna talk on that. Um, I wanna talk about, so she, she's gonna talk primarily about the physical. I'd like to talk about the spiritual uh, aspect that, that is involved here and I want to open up some things with that but before I do that um, let me just reconfirm it says in scripture 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7 we have this treasure in earthen vessels last week we saw in the creation on day three uh, the earth coming out of the waters was symbolic of Christ's resurrection coming out of death out of the waters and um, you know, do you remember in Matthew chapter 13, the, the first parables that Jesus taught was about the four soil types. And the soil types, of course, are in us. And the good soil, uh, the, the, it starts off with the, the wayside or the, the, the path, it's, and then there's the rocky soil, then there's the weedy soil, and then the good soil. And the good soil has uh, three degrees of um, fruit. You know, there is a 100% fruit. Let me just move this. So there is a 100% fruit, there is a 60% fruit, and there is a 30% fruit that comes from that. Well, I don't know about you, but I, whoops, I wanna be one of those that gets to the place where I produce 100% fruit, amen? And so, what you're gonna see there is that these are the milestones also that you find in the ancient paths. And so if we understand where we're going, we're gonna see that. Now in creation, do you notice that it was dark before it was dawn? And darkness was on the face of the deep and then Christ comes, the light of the world. And so and then we opened up the rest of the, the week of creation. But tonight I wanna to open up with the, some dark aspects but then I wanna open it and move into our understanding and why we need to be those that move into the ancient paths. Is everyone okay with that? So I'd like to show a series of slides 
that perhaps don't have the most positive aspects to them, but that they are a wake-up call to us. Uh, the reason they are a wake-up call to us is that because this is a spiritual battle. And while we go to protests and we show numbers, you know, a million people can go to the capital of Australia and media don't pay it any attention and the government will fire the LRAD, you know, uh, machine at, at people uh, in contempt of them to, to try to disperse them. Um, we need to realise that it's one thing to be at those places, but it's another thing to, to have Moses with his hands lifted on top of the hill and Joshua fighting on the, on the ground. And you need both. We need the spiritual and we need the physical taking place. And I want to show you why we need the spiritual taking place. And so um, if you wouldn't mind, uh, Liz, showing the first slide with Nicole Schwab. Oh, first of all, this is, this is a, out of the WEF, World Economic Forum, this is their business plan for forestry. And uh, I think it was released in 2021. And so if you go on from there, this next slide, this is Nicole Schwab, who is one of the four main advocates or, or uh, components who are proposing and putting this policy together and oversighting this policy. So she's the daughter of Klaus, all right, the next one uh, is the interesting thing. That there, there's her pedigree. She's got a master's in public policy from Harvard Kennedy School. But see down on the bottom here in the pink, it says she's also the author of The Heart of the Labyrinth, a spiritual parable offering a message of earth-centered wisdom. She is a worshiper of Gaia, Mother Earth. And so we need to understand that at the basis of these moves that we're seeing by the World Economic Forum is a spiritual root. It has spirit behind it. And if we're ignorant of that, we can go to protests and the best thing that that does is just encourage us because we're not alone, but it doesn't meet the need to attack this or to take out the spiritual authority that's behind it or confront that spiritual authority. All right, so if we go on, I'm not sure whether the next slide, no, not that one, uh, that, that's Leslie's material. Sorry, if you leave it there, that's fine. I can speak on the rest of it and fill the gap here. Um, that policy or that plan for the, the WEF um, proposed companies like Amazon, companies like Google, Nestle, are all pledging millions of dollars into reforestation of Australia, or not Australia, of the world, should I say. And so they wanna have a trillion trees planted by 2030 which is, you know, that's admirable, isn't it? But when you break it down and you read that material, or you read that report, what you find is this, that uh, people like Nestle, people like uh, Google and Amazon are pledging 3.5 million euros or $2.5 million for trees and $100 million for monitoring, surveillance, uh, they're proposing that Google have live satellites, so satellites that can actually show, so Google Earth will show live footage as you looked down from the satellite, so that they can monitor the forests. Do you understand where this is going? Uh, and so drones and satellites are being developed to monitor 
the whole of the globe. And we need to be aware and awake to what is proposed and who then is behind those proposals with the spirit behind the spirit behind it. So it's not just we're facing some group of businessmen with a proposal, but we are facing something that has a spiritual root. Likewise, then in these slides that you'll see in slides six through 11, Liz, um, there are some hand signals uh, that lots of the leadership uh, are, oh, you might recognize. So go back to that previous one, nine. So there un, un, underneath the Freemasons banner is Jacinta, all right? Um, and then if you look back at some of those other slides again, uh, Angela Merkel, that's her favorite position or poise. So some of these, could it be coincidence? Or could it be signaling? And now a lot of these, here we go, Zelensky. Uh, you know, the one eye is the one eye, eye of Horace. And, the, and this is 666. Uh, have you seen that before? Some of you may not have seen or understand that before, but that's 666. And so you'll see that these signals, and so that is like the one eye of Horace. All right, and so they are signaling uh, who's behind certain policies. And normally you'll find them doing that on an on a engineering work, like a tunnel or a bridge or something like that. And so it has that influence behind it. Like the secret handshake societies, are, and many of our politicians are involved in these secret societies because it seems to be a path for advancement. Does that make sense to them? And um, we know some great politicians, but there are, only, there are only a handful of really great politicians who actually care about the people. The rest are in there for tenure. And the rest of them are in there to get the job when they finish their role in parliament so that they can get that cushy position that in, in between the government and private enterprise that gives them a good salary. That's the truth of the matter, isn't it? And so we need to realize that what we are facing has a spiritual root, has a spiritual foundation. And we, the body of Christ, as the sons of God, need to be able to um, understand that and to stand in the gap and grow to be the people that God's called us to be. Now, I believe that the ancient paths, what we are facing is an opportunity for us, an opportunity for accelerated growth. Because what was it that caused Joseph to be accelerated to become the man that he was. He was steered, you might think his brothers did it, but he was steered by God to be in a position that God wanted him in at the right time. All right, and he went through particular hardship and degrees of hardship along the way, but he, he was steered there to face a famine. And it looks like we may be facing that same thing. Are you okay? All right, and so I believe that if we can see what is coming down the pipeline to us, that we can prepare adequately, but we need to prepare spiritually as well as practically. And Leslie's gonna speak on some of the practice and perhaps we can fill the picture as we go. All right, now, I believe that God wants Christ formed in us. All right, Christ uh, is the hope of glory in us. And uh, in Romans 8, 29, it says, By whom he fore for whom he foreknew or foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, 
that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. All right, so those that he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. You see, all the way through Scripture, the ancient paths are there, but they're hidden. And it, it's only as we start to see the corporate picture that Christ paints for us that we can fill out what this actually means. Because we saw in Romans, sorry, in Revelation 12, 11, it said they overcame him by the blood, which we talked about last week. Um, the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. When I initially read that years ago, and initially when I hear preachers preaching from this passage, it was always concentrated around here, but never over here because it seemed to involve death or martyrdom. But we need to understand that Catherine Coleman was where she was because she laid her life down and therefore Christ was living in her and glorified. And we all, all admire the Catherine Coleman's and the um, William Branham's uh, but we need to realise the cost that's there involved in stepping into that place. And so we are all soil. God wants us to, to get to this 100, 100 fold return. Jesus said, many are called, but few are chosen. And that chosen there, when I was in Bible college many moons ago, our college lecturer said that another way of saying that was choice. But actually, I don't, I don't actually think that he knew the big picture. All right, And I believe that you can see what it means from, from moving to being from called into chosen. When you look at people like, oh, Todd spoke on the weekend and he made reference to the Shulamite. And you remember he said, um, he said, I'm going to put out some, some vectors or some arrows on here, but he, uh, the Shulamite says, first up, my beloved's mine and I'm his. So the first emphasis for this progression of love is I want to get something, but I'll reciprocate if I get something. The Shulamite then moves to this place where she says, I'm my beloved's and he is mine. So now she's got it starting to get things right, so she's giving herself away, but she still is looking for reciprocation. I'll do this, but I'm expecting him to do this. And she, she moves, it says here that he feeds his flock among the lilies. That's in the dark places, in the valleys. Uh, then she moves to this place where, and she says, I'm my beloved's and his desire is towards me. And she has abandoned herself to his love because she's come to understand and trust him. All right, and so now... This follows on, the next verse after that says, and he leads me into the fields. All right, so she's no longer hidden here, but now she can be exposed. And you find the same thing with Joseph. You know, Joseph says to his brothers in Genesis 37, I have had a dream. In Genesis 40, after he's been in prison uh, for a short while, he says to the, he says to the, a bread maker who is broken and hung on a tree and the wine bearer who's in a pit and is resurrected, bread and wine, death and resurrection. 
he says to them in interpreting their dreams, he says, tell the dreams to me, do not interpretations belong to God. Do you see, he's actually putting God in the equation. It's not now, guys come around, I've had a dream, but now he's putting God in the equation and God's softening his heart and working on his heart. But when he stands before Pharaoh, so he says, it's not in me, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of truth. All right, and so now he is totally in the place where God can use him. And his father's coat of many colours was a prophetic message that he would bear the glory. The, the rainbow, the seven spirits of God, and the rainbow is a picture of the glory of God around the throne. And so Joseph is a, is a picture of Christ who went through death and resurrection in prison. After two, four years in prison, he's in the third year or the third day in a Hebrew mindset and now he's ready to be resurrected. And so Joseph now is ready to wear that coat of many colours because now God gets the full glory. All right, and he realises he's in a position, he's forgiven his brothers, he's moved on from that and he's in a new place. Amen? <clears throat> and so this, this appears in just so many places. Now, it says in the book of Malachi, it says that the hearts of the fathers will be turned to the children and the children to the fathers. Now that can be in the natural, it can be in the natural, but the spiritual truth is this, that in 1 John and chapter two, it says, little children, you've had your sins forgiven. It says the young men, if you can read my writing, you've overcome the wicked one. How do they overcome the wicked one? Because the word of God abides in them. All right, and it says, you fathers have known him who was from the beginning. This, I believe, is the call for the fathers to impart to the children and the children to desire to become fathers as we grow in the Spirit. And so God wants us to grow up in the Spirit and learn from those who've gone before us, done the hard yards, who are also learning as well because... Uh, as you mentor someone, you're being taught yourself. You may be only a few steps ahead of them in honesty. You know what I'm saying? You know, and, but God is calling us to impart to one another. And we need one another. We need community, amen, as we go forward. Now, remember when Jesus went through the wilderness, the devil came to him in Luke chapter four and he was tested with the lust of the flesh. You know, if you are the son of God, turn this rock into bread. And Jesus defeats the devil by drawing on the next milestone. And then next milestone, he says, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word proceeds out of the mouth of God. By revelation, he says, you live by revelation, not just by bread. Does that make sense? And then when he comes here and the devil says, I'll give you all these things, he says, if you serve me, devil, he says, the devil says, I'll give you all this if you serve me. He says, no, look, it's written that you shall serve the Lord thy God and him only shall you worship. You should worship the Lord thy God and him only shall you serve. And so Jesus, once again, is showing you that the true worship is what defeats things and our desire for things. The first place where worship is mentioned in Scripture is Genesis chapter 22. And Abraham is going to offer up his son. And he says, me and the lad are going to go up to Mount Moriah to the mount and worship and we will return. 
Worship was the laying down of a life. Wow. When does a slow song become worship? It becomes worship when we lay our life down. Amen? All right, and so God is wanting us to move in. In in the wisdom teachings, through the middle of the scripture, this is wisdom. This is understanding. Remember last week I said that understanding is what's standing in front of you, what's under it, what's behind what's standing in front of you, the facade that you're seeing. Uh, Wisdom, understanding and knowledge. If you can read down that low, if I can write that low, all right. Now the Bible also says, Proverbs 24, 3 I think it is, it says, by wisdom a house is built, by understanding it's established and by knowledge all the rooms are filled. You are God's house. You and I are God's house. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1, Paul says, if this house is destroyed, I have another one in heaven. So you are God's house. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says you are the temple of God. It's talking about you individually. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 says you're the temple of God, but now it's speaking about you corporately. So we are the temple corporately, but we are the temple individually as well. And so we are the house of God. You wanna grow? We are established in wisdom as we hear our, open our ears and a revelation to God. Understanding what God's saying beneath, behind what God's saying, and knowledge, Paul says that I may know Him and the power is resurrection. All right, and so now, as we move in, there are those have gone before us, particularly in Scripture. Saul, Saul means asked for or demanded. Saul is here. Over here is Paul, little and humble. And it's over here that Paul, it's over here Oh, stay there. Paul, not Saul, but Paul, whoops. Paul is filled with the Spirit here and takes on that authority that we've spoken about tonight. Um, when you're talking about Joseph, because Joseph made this journey as well as we saw in his portrayal in the, in the dreams, Joseph, it says that God was with him. It says God was with him. But when he's before Pharaoh, Pharaoh says, I've not met a man who, with the Spirit of God in him. And now the Spirit's fully in him. All right. And there is this surrender and this yielding that takes place. That's why when Elijah and Elisha, 2 Kings chapter two, is everyone okay? All right, in 2 Kings chapter two, they go from Bethel, the house of God. You know, another way of saying this, called is that you've been named. All right, you've been called out by name. You're predestined and then you were named. And this is where where, um, Elisha and Elijah are as he starts his walk. And then they go to Jericho. Jericho is the place of victory. It actually is also called the city of palms and palms are symbolic of victory and the palms were thrown out before Jesus in his triumphant entry. All right, and then they go to Jordan and Jordan means death or descender. And so there's a laying down of his life. 
Now, for, for Elisha, Elijah says, stay here, God's called me on. And he says, no, I'm going on. And the prophets come out and say, do you know that your master's gonna be taken from you? He says, shh, be quiet. There's resistance and there's, there's a, a voluntary pushing through to go all the way, a surrender. Same thing happens here at Jericho. They come out and say, do you know you're, they're gonna be, and Elijah says to him, I'm going on to Jordan, you stay here. But he pushes through against that resistance. He's being tested and God's testing him to see, you can give up whatever level you want to. You can stop at 30, you can stop at 60, but do you wanna push through to 100? Do you wanna be the person who steps into eternity and out of eternity and brings heaven to earth? Because that's what Elijah and Elisha were doing. And that's us, amen? We wanna be the ones that show this stuff is real and we're not just playing church, amen? All right, and so God's calling us to mature and to move on in this. And we could, I could go on and open all these up, so many of them. Um, but I think at that point, Leslie, I think that it would be good if you came and you started to speak about uh, us, our earthly bodies, and put some, this is a spiritual walk. I want us to also balance that with the physical. Okay, tag. All right, so <clears throat> one of my desires of my heart is that the children of God would be healthy body, soul, and spirit and be whole people as God designed us to be. Um, we've said that um, divine health precedes divine healing. And some years ago, I noticed, because I wasn't sick, um, the, there was always every week there's people being caught up to be prayed for and because I was watching that <laughs> week after week I started to pray a different way I prayed like this I said Lord and plus you have to see my family has been ravaged by sickness as well um, <clears throat> I said Lord could you please um, heal me every day not just on the day that I'm sick can you heal me every day and can you show me how to be healthy and teach me how to be well and to teach others the same things. So this is part of my message that I bring and um, I followed many, uh, quite a few naturopaths, one being Barbara O'Neill, who's a wonderful Australian Christian health coach. Um, right, so if you put up the water um, slide, Elizabeth, please, and what you need to understand is I did say last week you need to drink between um, 1.8 and 2 litres of water. Your body is 70% water weight. Your blood is 85% water. Your muscles are 80% water. Your brain is 75% water. And your bones even have 25% water in them. So um, I read in Dr. McCullough's book this week that, and I've heard it many times, many... Um, Illnesses, diseases have their root in dehydration. And so you will know that Jesus said, like you can have rivers of living water coming out of your, your belly. Well, so your body still is um, based on water. So we're just water and dust, really. All right, so I do encourage you to drink water, um, but you need clean water, because you can see up there, that's not very clean. <laughs> All right, um, just on that too, uh, it's good to drink in the morning straight up. You can drink um, straight down quite a lot of water without sipping it before you eat. And then 
One thing with water is you shouldn't really eat and drink together. They don't mix up that well. It goes slushy and, and you and don't want to be slushy. <laughs> and it takes one and a half hours to two hours to digest your food if you chew it well and if you have enough acid in your stomach and enzymes to digest it. So, um, yes, so that's a, a good, good uh, rule of thumb is not to dis disrupt your digestion by taking a drink too early after you've eaten. All right, now, yeah, so water has a lot of things in it. We went, um, we used to drink Adelaide water in 19, pre-1992. Uh, we then went off to Port Augusta and we went to Canberra. We came back, we couldn't drink the water. It was awful. And... Uh, <laughs> I think everybody was buying Puritaps. We had a Puritap, okay? And that lasted for a lot of years. And then we thought, so I started thinking about water security and um, what, you know, like, I wasn't thinking then, like, I did say to Adrian, like, you know, like if um, you're, say everything gets cut out and you don't have anything, no electricity, no food, this and that, but you still need water. You can last on water for a long time. Uh, 100 days, you can last on water. You'll be hungry, though, and you'll be skinny. All right, so... Um, <laughs> so, um, I talk a little bit about water filters, but um, I don't know everything about water filters, but I know what we did. All right? Even last year, I um, emailed SA Water because um, I saw I had trouble with my t fish tank, and also I saw other people on Facebook had trouble with their fish tanks, and I asked them, did they put in, um, what were they putting in the water, you know? So they do now put in, I think it's up there, chloramine. Now, you know what chlor chlorine is, right? Chloramine is chlorine and ammonia together, right? <laughs> Who's got ammonia in the cupboard these days? We used to have it in the cupboard for some sort of cleaning stuff. It's, a recipe, it's in a recipe for some explosive stuff, ammonia. Um, <clears throat> right, so um, we, well, so we've got our rainwater, and then of course rainwater's a bit dirty, and we live in a flight zone. And so then we were thinking, what should we get to filter the water? So one day we were up here at Norwood, and uh, we got a ceramic filter from Aquadome. So can you put up the next slide, which is what the, the so this, this has been tested um, by veterinary science here in Adelaide, and it removes all of those things. And I tell you what, the water is really nice, and our family really likes it. And so they're a company here in um, Norwood, and they're called Aquadome. And I think that's on the next slide. But if you've already got reverse osmosis, that's very good. If you've got some other water filter, that's very good. You don't have to have what everyone else has, but you do need some sort of filtration. You, you cannot drink the tap water. Um, because it will affect your health. And there's all a lot of, on this site, he has a lot of testimonies just from drinking clean water. All right, so a clean, and you know that the, I think it's the first place that um, healing is mentioned is in Exodus 15. Is that right? Yeah, at the, and that was where they came to the Mara, the bitter waters. All right, so you can't drink bitter water and Jesus needed to heal the water, like where well, they put the wood in. Okay. So that's that. Um, do you want me to... Oh, I'm not asking you. Oh. <laughs> what is my next slide, please, Lou? 
Okay, no worries. Yeah, okay. Now, um, so Adrian was talking about the soil. So when we, we've come probably only recently to this understanding that when you're growing stuff in the ground, like the um, parable of the four soils, you're not actually growing plants, but you're growing the soil and the microbe and the microbiome within the soil. And um, a certain young man loves worms. <laughs> so we have a couple of worm farms and we grow, no, Asher. Asher really loves worms. I take, I, that's the, we have put them in the garden, it's good fun. <laughs> But, but besides worms, because we can see them, they're quite big. But there's also like lots of um, fungus growing in the ground, which connects the, to the plants and actually distributes um, all the uh, vitamins and minerals that they need to grow. All right, so that's what we're talking about in the soil. And that's what produces good plants. Same for uh, human beings is that if you have a good uh, immune system, good digestive system, you'll have a good health. I have a couple of books. I didn't bring them all today. This particular one will tell you that if you eat... A, oh, I need the other side, I think. Yeah. If you eat vegetables and uh, leg, she does legumes, all right, you would be healthy and clean water. I have another one that says if you eat meat and vegetables and clean water, uh, you'll be healthy, all right? But there's a lot of things you can't eat. So <clears throat> I mentioned last week, there's, um, I'm not saying you can't eat them ever, but you know, the 90, 80, 90% of the time, you need to eat more vegetables. <laughs> all right, so I need you to, fin uh, could you finish writing it up too? <laughs> So if you put it, I'll go over this way a bit. All right. Anyway, so uh, there's this thing called the acid-alkaline balance, which is the pH balance. Anybody ever tested their pH? One, <laughs> two. <laughs> All right. So pH is not about the actual food, but it's about the potential to produce hydrogen, which is when your cell receives the food, which has gone through a lot of processes to get there. It then burns into a kind of ash, and the ash is what's left, is the, the mineral content that will be left, all right? And so that makes it acid uh, ash or alkaline ash, okay? Which is incredible. You've got this fire going on in every cell in your body. All right, so I've done it here, love. Oh, are you doing that one? Yeah, yeah, okay, all right. So I started making the list, but I didn't finish it. But a lot of things, you do have to have 20% acid, all right? So you have to have balance, remember? But 80% alkaline. And alkaline you can easily get. We didn't finish the small things here. Um, but lemons are highly alkaline, even though they're an acid fruit. Okay, the good old lemon. And if you have that with your water in the morning, it's really good for your digestion. All right? Um, so, like, you can... The, the most alkaline things are green vegetables. So if you're making a nice salad or cook your green vegetables, they're good either cooked or raw. Um, and also it's good to have a good dressing on it. So like your stomach can always do with a bit of extra acid from the lemon or from the dressing with the vinegar in it. Now, um, oh, the next thing, yeah. So I'll tell you about... Um, there's a few of us in the church. I can't see who you are, but um, 
we have a, a kefir culture. And kefir is like um, yogurt. And yogurt is a good probiotic. Uh, so by yogurt, you have to take every day to maintain the um, organisms in your immune system. But the kefir will set up a community. So it's very interesting. And um, we started it in hmm, maybe about March, I think. I have done it about eight years ago. And it did heal me from um, having a long course of antibiotics. Someone, a friend gave me a kefir culture. And uh, that was very helpful to my health. So like just talk to a few of us. Um, it's Jen and me and Yolana. I think, have got them at the moment, and it's just a milk culture if you're interested in finding out about that. And that will then, that's very good for your health, and um, it uh, can improve your health a great deal. Um, what else are we going to talk about? So, oh yeah, the acid, uh, this one here. So, Adrian, you can write that up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh yeah, okay. All right, so acid, the, there's... I just, it's just interesting to know how things work. So the highest, the fastest thing is sulfuric acid that moves very quickly. And uh, you need some of that for, to move quick, you know. And the, the slowest thing is calcium. So if you have too much calcium, then you'll be very slow. <laughs> now, your favourite drink comes in here at number two, doesn't it? And... Everyone's favorite drink is not water, Coca-Cola. <laughs> so you can probably see like a McDonald's meal is um, cheese and bread and meat and chips and Coke. It's an acid meal. <laughs> All right. You can have it once in a while, but don't have it every week. All right. So uh, what's the next? I can't even read this. It's so small. Oh, yeah, so this is, yeah, so this is serious stuff now, I'm mucking around, Coke. Cancer comes in at acid level of five, and Adrian's busy writing it. Cancer and fungus, we talked about candida, so that can live at five. You don't really have to worry about this too much because your body actually balances all the time. But do understand this, if you're having an acidic diet, which I know this from... Uh, friends of mine, <laughs> um, your body will readjust and take stuff from somewhere else. Rob, Rob Peter to pay Paul, basically. All right, so if you, for example, have too much, um, can't remember the thing now, uh, calcium, all right, so then it will, t no, or not enough calcium, let's say go not enough calcium, it'll take it and put it somewhere else if it's got excess, all right, and it'll turn up with things like cataracts on eyes, bone spurs, and other things. And, um, you know, other things you might know is that if you ever had skin tags, that's from eating too much protein, so you pull back how much protein you eat. And so there's lots of interesting things to know about food. All right, so, again, don't worry about this too much because your body knows what to do. <laughs> and this, oh, the soil here, yeah. So your cell pH, so, so everything's not the same pH, all right? So the cell is 6.4, soil 6.5, death comes in at 7, and oh, there's a few other things which... This is from, yeah, this is from acid though. This is from being too acid, and just under that is from being too alkaline. All right, so you need balance. We talked about balance last week. Okay, now the... <laughs> 
But wouldn't it be good, though, if we were like John G. Lake's church, who were the healthiest church that there ever was, you know, and that 90% of the time you honoured your body, honoured God by looking after your body and doing that as part of your worship as well. Um, you're coming into a time where you can't muck around. You maybe can't get your Skittles, and they just found out the Skittles have got poison in them. Is that right? Titanium dioxide, and there's a big furor about it, and it's M&Ms and Skittles and all your favourite brightly coloured foods, which are not vegetables. <laughs> All right. So, Adrian, is it all right if I go on to the soul now? Okay. I'll keep going. So, we're finished with that now. So, one of those three-step things is body, soul, spirit. Okay. And we've heard a few talks lately about from getting from, if it's A, B, C, getting from A to C. So, that's how our, we're starting at A and we want to get to C. And I'm going to talk about the process in, in the B part. <laughs> All right, and we're going to talk about the soul. <clears throat> okay, could I have my scripture, first scripture up, please? Oh, okay. All right, so, no, that's not mine. <laughs> my, um, I want a Genesis 4. So, um, my talk is about um, emotional healing that I've seen, I've processed myself over the few, uh, too many years, I should say, and um, I'm liking it to the book of uh, Leviticus, Leviticus one to five, and um, <clears throat> also because uh, of the healing in uh, Exodus 15, it's about bitter waters as well. All right, so oh, first thing I want you to note, if we ever get the scripture up, is that in Genesis 4, 3 to 4, which is when um, Cain and Abel brought their sacrifices, and we're talking about the sacrifice of worship tonight, that, um, well, I don't know if you ever saw it. I only saw it recently myself. So Abel bought of the firstborn of the flock and their fat. All right, have we got it? That's not the one. <laughs> Good thing I wrote them down. <laughs> All right. Now, I want you to note that um, he bought from the firstborn of the flock and the fat thereof, okay? So then the next one is this one, Genesis 22, 9. And what I want you to notice in here is that Abraham, Abraham built an altar and placed the wood in order. All right? There's plenty in the scripture for any topic, really. But this is the topic tonight. He placed the wood in order. Okay. So then we go to Leviticus 1, and um, I'll tell you why I'm interested in Leviticus. <laughs> um, it's not an easy book to read. It's very repetitive, and um, usually you steer away from it because it's so full of law. And also because of this, once I heard of a guy that he was home in his house, and he read Leviticus, and he got saved. And that always fascinated me. <laughs> All right. So here we have, um, let's see what we've got, the whole lot. So we've got that again, Aaron's sons, blah, blah, blah. They, put, uh, they lay the wood in order on the fire, okay? 
Now, Rachel gave a sermon about order the other week, all right? And we do need to be in a, do things in an orderly fashion. This order of the wood is obviously the cross that God is, that Jesus is there in type in the in this sacrifice. All right. Now the other thing that really interests me in the Leviticus is the cutting up of bits and pieces and internal organs. All right. <laughs> All right, so um, we're there, we're there, we're there. So in Leviticus, you come in, that's the end of that. Now, I didn't put any more scriptures up. Um, in Leviticus 1, 3, you'll have to look at it for yourself, but you come in, like it comes in as of their own free will, so no one's forcing you to go in, all right? You go to the, at the door, so it's the entrance point, and again, they lay the wood in order. So the wood has to be laid in order. And then the juicy part, okay, they cut it up and they uh, put, well, we'll jump forward a bit to verse 8. These are the bits I like. They put the, on the wood, they put the parts, which is if you go in butchery, they cut things up in parts, okay? And they put the head on, the fat, okay, which is all the fat in um, back there at uh, Abel. And then they put the wood in order again. And then they burn the whole lot. There's, and there's a bit of other stuff, but that's where I want to concentrate today. Okay? All right. Now, um, then we'll just jump on. It's really interesting to do the whole lot, but it's way too much for one thing. But going to chapter 3, again, um, there's an emphasis on the fat. Okay? So the fat is brought out um, from the entrails, and from the kidneys, from the, the liver. All right? So it's really bizarre. <laughs> But anyway, I'm going to tell you what it's about. <clears throat> Why does God love fat? Why? Why does God love fat? Well, I've been looking at diagrams this week, and the fat that they talk about here is the fat right in here, in the middle in here where you don't even know where it is. So even if you had no fat on your body, you would still have fat because it holds your organs together. And um, it's in the inward part. It's in the secret place. It's where nobody sees it, Okay. Nobody knows it's there. So it's underneath the liver and around the kidneys and all over here. Why does God desire this? Well, he desires to um, teach us how to care for the inward parts, okay? So I'm going to tell you now something. <laughs> right, what, what, how I've, I've walked this through myself, and I hope that it helps you. Maybe, it does, maybe you're already there and you don't need to hear this, so then you need to hear it for someone else, right? But maybe you need to hear it for yourself or, or someone in your family or one of your friends. Okay, so feelings and emotions are real things. They're real substances, all right? So they don't just float around and then disappear. Um, Carolyn Lee says that they are real substances and there's something like your, your mind is a tree and it has leaves on it. Or you can think of a, other people have said, I've talked to doc, um, listened to doctors that said, when your liver is overloaded and it's got too much coming in, um, it could be toxic substances or too much carbohydrate or whatever, it packs things in fat around the liver. All right, so then it gives me the idea, which is from this book here. Feelings uh, buried alive never die. All right, so... 
What happens is you, they're stored away, and then if you don't do anything about it, they're still there for a long time. So I got to a point myself, um, I think probably before I read this book, that my, well, you know, with the pressures of life, which is, you know, a young family, growing up a teenage family, um, your community and church and relationships there and working and everything and probably chuck in a few female hormones and all that stuff, you know. My my feelings were, um, should we say, I think I became a bit of a volcano, basically. Um, Things would happen and I wouldn't be able to process them. Uh, My favourite way was to um, push them to the side and do them later, you know, when I had time. And so then you get this kind of pile of stuff that doesn't get uh, processed. So um, when I came to a tipping point, I knew that I was not a nice person and that I was no good to my family and I needed to sort that out. And so I would say I'll go to my room and I'll um, be quiet for a while. That's uh, be on my own. So what I do is I go to, the, to my room, shut the door, as Jesus says in Matthew 6, 6, go to your door, room, speak to your father in secret. So this is um, what would happen. I'd have a conversation with God and I'd write it down. So I would liken it to the Leviticus is because when I lay down, I felt like I was on the altar and that God was like, you know, doing something, maybe chopping me up actually. And, um, <laughs> and then I would write in a book, which I think to me is like laying the wood in order. All right. And then I would write a conversation to God. And the conversation would go like this. I share it because you might be able to use it and might help you to fast track getting to the getting on with things, right? <laughs> so I'd say, God, I feel like this, with a lot of tears and sobbing. Uh, so this certain person, which is brother Rub, said this, and sister Sandpaper, she did this, and blah blah blah, you know. <laughs> and I feel, and I tell God how I felt because my feelings were front and centre. And I'd say, like, oh, I was rejected, I feel maligned, I'm unloved, I'm overlooked, you know, I'd write it all down. I'd cry in self-pity, you know. But then the second question would be this. I'd say, Father, how do you see this and how would you approach this problem that I have, you know, if you were doing it, all right? And this is what he would say. He would say, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbour as yourself. And then I'll go, hmm, <laughs> okay. And there's no other greater command than that. And then he would say, be kind and compassionate to one another and forgive one another. And I'd have to think about that one too. And then he would say, give thanks because this is the process and you're learning something. So then, of course, I would cry because I had attitude and I wasn't quite there yet. And I'd ask God then, could he show me his... And I wouldn't have said it like this, but show me his omnipresence. I wanted him to show me his viewpoint because he can see all viewpoints and all angles. If he would show me that, some of that, I could understand better and I could then be released from the the limited way I was thinking. Now, you see this in Leviticus 4 and 5. God covers everything, you know, intentional sin, unintentional sin, um, all the things that could go wrong. He covers it. So in this process, I would then... That would be sort of the process. And then I would check in and I'd go like, did I feel uh, better? Like, was I, could I breathe? Could I not cry? Um, could I, um, 
you know, feel some closure. Now, when I began this process, it was quite a long process. It might take an hour. And, um, and also, I would do it multiple times. And you'll know in Leviticus 1, there's an offering, burnt offering for a bull and a burnt offering for a sheep and a burnt offering for a, a bird, right? I always thought they were options for, like, your, if you were rich or you had less or you had less, you know? But when I was doing this, I thought God was going, like, come again, come again, come again, because I'm teaching you each time you come in, right? And then when I go again, he would show me more things that I was feeling and more things that he could see and till I could get through and actually issue real love, real forgiveness and real thankfulness for the process. And you can feel that when it comes because... It's real, and you can get up, and that's what I was wanting. I wanted to get up and get on with life. I didn't want to be, like, disabled by my feelings and my emotions. I wanted to actually be able to function. So um, that is the fat that burns, right, on the altar. It's the inner, inner part. Even in one of the scriptures, which I think I forgot to write down, it's... um, in the Psalms, I can't remember where it is now, but um, it says that the, the vexed mind, it's in Psalm 72, I think, vexed mind is actually literally in the notes, your kidneys, all right? So it's talking about what's very central in right in, in here, all right? Uh, so now Adrian will probably talk a bit more about the, um, the are you going to talk about the mind? But you see there in Leviticus, like, so you first take your, it's your free will offering, and then you um, come in and everything's in order. So you keep going over and over the same thing until you get some thing. Now, for me, that's become a new and living way. So I now can sense something come in, you know, so you think something, you feel something, it comes in. I know that's not of a high frequency, and so then I will then actively replace it and then choose God. Because it will sl- cause those things, like many other things, like we're talking about food and other things that will slow you down, those emotions really pull you back and slow you down, can sideline you and um, take you out of the game, basically. So I hope that helps, and um, that I, I'm, that's my talk on that. Come on. I think the, the, um, the essence of that is in here. It's the mind, the will, and the emotions which make up the soul. And uh, so much of this is going on, he- on here. And last week, remember, we talked about the centurion, and the centurion said, come, go, Malaleka, Malek. Malek is king in Hebrew. Uh, the soldiers is where the battlefield is, all right? And then the body is the servant. Do you remember that from last week as we looked at Matthew chapter 8? All right, and so it's in here that the battlefield takes place. Our major, I believe our major focus has to be in here. And this is where we are to be focused on the Word. The Word, the Word, the Word. And so the, the, what comes out of our mouth is the Word. What comes out of our thinking is the Word. Because what comes 
to our heart through our mouth is critically important as we're going to see in a moment. Now, I think there's no better time now than to get fit. If you're unfit with what's coming, you need to get fit. And uh, it's a good thing to have a buddy or someone who trains with you uh, and look at some options to, to get fit because let's not muck around. Do you understand? Are you here? Are you there? Hello. All right. Because I, I think that we, we have to treasure this, this temple and look after this temple and we need to get fit because you may be walking or running uh, in the future, plowing, working. And if you're unfit, then you're going to be unfit for yourself, but unfit for others as well. All right, and so we do. We need to get fit. We also need to think about some sort of alternative economy. What are we going to do if, we, if digital currency comes in and we don't have um, what, what we need? And I can't find what I'm looking for in my pockets either. Anyway, <laughs> doesn't look like we made it tonight. Anyway, another night. Um, we, we need to think about some alternative economies. I was going to hold up a piece of silver, an ounce of silver. And if we need a community of people who, who also have some, something to, to barter and trade with. What, what, what will we do if we don't have digital currency? If we don't have central bank digital currency? What if we don't sign up? How are we going to exchange goods? We need to start to think beyond the now and start to think down the track. Are you okay? Yes. You know, um, the, the pharmaceutical companies are trying to buy out the supplement and vitamin companies. And so if they do that, then they'll have total control. Do you have a supply of those sort of things down the track? I'm not asking you to panic and I'm not asking you to buy beyond your means or, but I'm asking you to start to think beyond where we're at right now and just being comfortable. Have you done all your dental work? Have you had all your optical work done? Hello? It's really sober, isn't it? I'm, this is serious stuff, all right? Have you got the tools you need? Have you got the water you need? Hello? I'm, I'm getting, I'm, I'm serious because, because we need to start to be serious, all right? Um, have you got hard copy resources or are you learning everything offline because you may not get to be online? The, the most important thing for us is to know how to grow soil in that there beneath our feet and soil in here. And to, to build soil in here, we walk the ancient paths. We walk with God. Amen? All right, but someone's got to wake us and, and shake us out of, you know, just, just doing what we're doing because down the track, we need to be prepared if it comes. Are you okay? And you've lost nothing if you're prepared and it doesn't come. Um, now, Leslie said, we believe in divine health precedes divine healing. The problem is that most of us have taken in toxins when we've not even known it. And so, we, of course, we are reliant on divine healing. But wouldn't it be great if we could also uh, look after our bodies and, and look after them at a premium? And the older you get, all right, the more you realise how important that is. Um, I subscribe to just-in-time learning. What that means is I don't try to learn everything at once about a subject, but I learn what I need to know at the, just before the moment. 
just before the moment. So just in time, I'm learning about the next thing of that interests me or becomes, it's gonna become my focus. I want to, not to know everything about everything. I wanna know about whatever it is that's, that's coming up. All right, having said that, I wanna talk about Gideon because Gideon is a fantastic display of how God wants us to overcome fear. Now, you've heard of the law of first mention in scripture. For example, I mentioned before, and I said before, that worship is first found in Genesis chapter 22. Uh, that's the place where it's first mentioned and it's where Abraham is offering up his son. Well, the, the place where peace is first mentioned is with Gideon in, Genesis, sorry, in Judges chapter six. So Gideon is found in Judges chapter six and Judges chapter seven. And you know that Midian, uh, Gideon, should I say, goes and fights the Midianites. You know the story. All right, so Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press because of fear. It says that the Midianites kept Israel impoverished, all right? So they kept them down from being um, prosperous. And as soon as they grew anything, the Midianites would come in and steal what they had. And so they had to do everything they had to do in secret. And so that's why he was, he was threshing wheat in a cistern, basically, out of sight. An angel comes to him and calls him a mighty man of valor. And he looks behind him, he says, who, me? And God is speaking to him. But Gideon's not living in the now, he's living in the past. And he says, oh, look, I know that God delivered us back there, but look at us now. And God basically has always said, if you, if you go into idolatry and you get caught up in the world that you live in, then I take my hand off of you. Unfortunately, we're living in a world that is, is, is idolatrous, amen? And we've been sucked into a lot of that. So for Gideon, uh, the first thing he does, he's so fearful, he does it at night and he pulls down his father's idol, his Baal. You know, he pulls it down, he burns the best bull and he turns that idol into an offering for God because he offers the second bullock. He uses the timber from the grove and from the ashtarel from the Baal and he offers up the bullocks. And so he makes it a sacrifice to God. That's the idol of his family. What are our idols? Our idols could be houses, they could be the cars we drive, they could be a number of things, but something that gets our focus or gets in our way of God. Are you there? It can be sport, it can be a number of different things. It could be the shoes we wear. It could be lots of different things. <laughs> no, but it could, be, it could be whatever. Actually, I wasn't thinking of Daryl when I said that. <laughs> I wasn't. I was, I was thinking of another post I saw just recently. Anyway, <laughs> honestly, before God, honestly. Anyway, <laughs> Gideon names his encounter with God and he calls it Jehovah Shalom. We've just been singing about Jehovah. Now, Shalom is a very interesting Hebrew word. Now, a pen. It's a, shalom is a sheen, uh, it's a lamed, it's a vav, and it's a mem, if we were to do it as we would re read it. This means, sheen is a pair of teeth, it's like the W, it's the Spock sign, it's symbolic of the glory. You know, that's, you know Spock, he got that from going to a, 
a synagogue with his grandfather when the, when the priests were do, actually doing a priestly blessing. And it means, symbolises the glory of God. Oh, but it, it's a pair of teeth, it's, or it's a two, two, two teeds. And so it means to devour, it means to consume, it means to eat, all right? So it means to destroy in this context. Lamed is a shepherd's crook, and so it means authority. A vav is a nail, or, but in this situation, it's a nail, and it means that which is anchored or established. And a mem is water, or the ocean, or massive, or chaos, because the sea can be chaotic at times, all right? And so shalom means destroy the authority that establishes chaos. So how does God destroy the authority that establishes chaos? And where does that chaos come from? Well, Jesus said it like this. In Matthew chapter 10, I think it is, He said, I didn't come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. In the same verse in Luke's gospel, He said, I didn't come to bring peace, but I came to bring division. So a sword brings division. The opposite of peace is division. And the enemy's trying to divide society, the enemy's trying to divide families, and the enemy's trying to divide us individually. Are you okay? And so that's what fear does. Fear divides us. And what fear does is it separates our heart from our head or makes us a double-minded man or woman. All right, and so fear seeks to divide us and so those people who are imbibing the media lies, do you know, I don't know whether you noticed that I saw a certain reporter go and he was looking, recording and showing uh, people that were going to Davos, to the World Economic Forum. And in amongst the people who are the delegates who are going was the media services themselves, like the Washington Post and the New York Times. So they were actually going as people who were delegates. Not they weren't going to report it, they were going to be people who were there. What does that tell you? It tells you that they're part of this. The whole media thing. We're at war and a lot of that war is it's an information war because it's being shielded from us. The truth being shielded from us. We've got to wake up. Anyway, back to Gideon. After he's pulled down the prophets of Baal, uh, the Spirit of God comes on him, he blows a trumpet and the men gather to him, all right, from several tribes. Abiezer, I think Naphtali comes to him, Asher comes to him, a number of other men from the different tribes. <clears throat> He's still not sure whether God's with him. So what he does, he says, look, forgive me, but um, I'll tell you what, if you're really gonna fight for us, God, let me put the fleece out. And so he puts a, sh a lamb's wool out and he says, look, if you, if you are gonna work with us, and I am the one that's gonna lead these men, this motley crew, he says, let the dew fall on this fleece, but not on the ground tonight. And so God does it. And he goes, and so in the morning, he's there, whew, he's there. And he says, well, forgive me, Lord, but to, could you do it again tonight, but do the opposite? Can you get the water or the dew to fall not on the sheep or on the, the fleece, but on the ground? What is that? Oh, that fleece is Jesus. That's the dew of heaven is the favour of God on Jesus Christ, the offering, the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. Okay, first night. Second night, now the favour of God moves from Jesus onto the earth. 
Who, who's that? That's us and that's the soil that we work. Yeah. Hallelujah. Are you there? Yeah. All right, and so now God's confirming to him that he's, he's his man, but he's still unsure. And so he has 32,000 men with him. And God says to him, I want you to return, remove everybody from this army of 32,000 men who is in fear. 20,000 of those, sorry, 22,000 of those 32,000 men leave. It's true that in a society that, like where we are now, that's something like 69%, but 66% of the people will be in fear because of the media. And they're drawn in by fear and controlled by fear. Same sort of stats as you see there for Gideon. So basically two thirds of his army is removed and now he's got 10,000 men. And God says, you still got too many men for me to get the glory in this fight. And so he says, I want you to do this. I want you to go down to the stream, the running water, and the way that the men drink the water will be the guys that I choose to go with you to battle. And so he goes, fair enough. And he says, there, there are 300 men who lap the water in their hands and they lap it like dogs. And the commentators say this, that, they, that God chose the most alert ones. Well, if they chose the SAS, who's gonna get the glory? You know, it's not gonna be God, it's gonna be the SAS or the paratroopers or who, whatever nation you, you're on, the best of the best, sir. You know, that sort of people. Um, so that's not true, all right? But he chose those who were despised, but they were lapping, all right, out of their hands like dogs. Now their hand is a, cup, a cupped symbol. And what it is, is the, it's the 11th letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's a cuff and it's a concave vessel. And as a concave vessel, it's a picture of the human heart. And what he's showing is what the stream is the stream of the Spirit of God. Running water is the Spirit of God and as they partake of the Spirit of God, it comes to their mouth. They're despised, just like Pentecostals. Those people from America. That cult, that sect. Do you hear what I'm saying? All right. And so he gets 300 men. He's still unsure. So God says to him, look, you're making it hard for me, but this time I want you to go down to the enemy's camp and I want you to listen because you, you'll, you'll pluck up the courage when you go down there. And he, you know the story. He goes down and two guys are telling a dream. One guy tells a dream and he says, a loaf of barley uh, bread went, fell into the camp of the Midians, the Midianites, and turned over the camp. And the guy interprets it, his, his offsider interprets it, and he says, that means that Gideon's gonna destroy us. And that gets spread around the camp and then suddenly Gideon and his men, 300 men, and what do they do? Those 300 men, they say, Gideon says, do what I do. I says, what I want you to do. I want you to have a torch in your left hand that's attached to your heart. I want you to have a shofar or a shofar in your right hand, all right, into your, in your mouth. And when I give the signal, I want you to break those earthen vessels. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. And we have in the torch, the glory of God, a revelation coming to our heart. And suddenly when they line up their mouth 
with that revelation that God's downloaded to them, suddenly the glory of God routes the enemy. Do you see this? In, in Judges chapter 6, verse 16, when God was speaking to him through the angel, he said, you're going to defeat the enemy as one man. Commentators say that the enemy was going to be like one man. That's not true because it was 300 of his men against the Midianites, which were innumerable. They couldn't count them. That one man is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ in you and I. And when we receive revelation here and that comes out of here, it's not us who's fighting, it's Jesus Christ. You know, the messenger carries the same authority as the one who sent him. Let me say that again, because you didn't get it. The messenger, the runner with the message, the guy that's just relaying what the boss has said carries the same authority as the boss. And so when God releases a revelation to your heart, that's not you who's speaking, but God speaking through you. And when you start to make proclamations like that and declarations like that, you're in authority. We just sang about that, I think, 45 minutes ago. Hello. This is how it works. We, re- we spend time looking unto God. He releases revelation, a dream. We open up the Scriptures and suddenly God pops out and goes, woohoo. Take, take that and you go, that's my situation. And suddenly then I get the confidence to speak. And, and what's a ram's horn? The ram's horn in Hebrew culture is a symbol of strength. But you think about it, that ram, if it was still alive, could put all of its energy into the point of that horn. And so it symbolises strength, but that ram's horn had the flesh cut out and is now a trumpet. Now that trumpet is, un- is it's not understandable, is it? It's like in human terms, you don't understand what's being said through that, through that voice. That's a prophet speaking after he's just heard from God. Doesn't make any sense sometimes. Are you there? And it certainly could be true that that's, speak, that's praying in the Spirit. That's why I believe that when Paul, and if we were going, we're going to, and we're going Paul, that's why he was, Paul filled with the Spirit, why he prayed in tongues more than them all. I also think that's why Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. It says, by wisdom, God, is, God, established, or God founded the earth. By understanding, He established the heavens. And by knowledge, the, the depths were broken up and the heavens brought down their dew. I believe that the, the, the earth being broken up is us. And the heaven dropping down the dew is God's response. Are you there? Because that's what took place when they surrounded Jericho. That was the voice of God through them. They couldn't speak any English words because they were going to restrict God in the words that they said. But then God responded, and I think angels knocked those walls down. That's why there was an encounter beforehand with the Lord of hosts, with Joshua, because there was an angelic army at work. Are you there? Hallelujah. So Gideon, for us, is the prime example of somebody who overcomes fear in God. How do you overcome fear in God? You spend time with God, you hear from Him here, and you line your head up with that, rather than trying to think something and then trying to get God to line up with your thoughts. All right, because logically, what we're doing doesn't make any sense, but suddenly God speaks into a situation and now we, we, we bring our head, we bring our thinking, we bring our emotions, we bring our soul in line with what God's placed in here, and then we're in the place of victory. Are you there? That's what God wants from us. And that's Jehovah Shalom. That's where God destroys the authority that establishes chaos. And that chaos is when we're in fear, when our head and our heart are not in alignment. And that's when we're not one man. Hallelujah. 
Okay, you're good. Now, what I would like to do now is this. We're gonna go into a prayer in a moment, but I wanna set the scene for this prayer. Now, each one of you was given a piece of soil in a sample bag, all right? D and I, I wouldn't, I was gonna say painfully, but it wasn't painful. Uh, we scooped some soil from my garden and then we put that into those bags. In a moment, we're gonna to speak to that soil because it's symbolic of the ground that we live on. And you're gonna take that home and you're gonna tip it back onto your property unless you're worried about biosecurity. <laughs> but you can do with it what you will, but you understand what we're doing in a moment. But what I wanna do is I want you, I want you to see something. The Bible says in Hosea 4 verse 6, it says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now that verse can be over, overused. It's, it can become a cliche whenever you wanna say people don't understand something. But it's true in the Spirit. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge and we need to understand that the enemy uses the Word of God against us. He, he uses it, he's the accuser of the brethren. So what I'd like us to do is I'd like to show a couple of slides and give you the setting to understand that the earth has been called as a witness. Now last week I, I, I used Deuteronomy 4.26 because Deuteronomy 4.26 says, God says, I called heaven and earth as a witness, whether you will follow my word, whether you will follow my, my commandments. So uh, Liz, if you've got slide uh, 14 and 15 for me. So it says, for the land is defiled, therefore I visit the punishment of its iniquity upon it and the land vomits out its inhabitants. Verse 26 and 27. Oh, to 28. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments and shall not commit any of these abominations, either any of your own nation or any stranger who dwells among you for all these abominations the men of the land have done who were before you. And thus the land is defiled, lest the land vomit you out also when you defile it. So do you get the point? We don't know who's been here before us. We don't know what atrocities were done here. But we do know that abortions have been conducted in Adelaide, don't we? That's an atrocity before God, all right? And the, and the earth's called as a witness, all right? If we can go to the next verse, which is Deuteronomy 4, 25 and 26. I just wanna, I wanna read this out. Now, Deuteronomy is the, the fifth book of the Pentateuch of the, of the Old Testament. But what it is, is a summary of the law. So those laws that were given to God by Moses, given to God, God gave to Moses in Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus and Numbers. Here you see the summary of that in Deuteronomy. It's interesting that the same verse, or basically the same verse is repeated at the beginning of Deuteronomy and at the end of Deuteronomy, God's making a point. Here it is in, in, in Deuteronomy 4, 25 and 26. When you, and it says, it goes on and I, I didn't wanna fit it all in because it wouldn't fit on, on the slide, but it says, when you have children and children's children, and it says, and have remained long in the land and act corruptly and make an idol in the form of anything and do that which is evil in the sight of the Lord, your God, so as to provoke him to anger. I called heaven and earth to witness against you today that you will surely perish quickly from the land where you are going over the Jordan to possess, to possess it. You shall not live long on it, but will be utterly destroyed. So God makes a point in the law to bookend the law with these two things, saying that heaven and earth is a witness of what's done and the earth actually witnesses what takes place here. Wow. We just thought it was saw beneath our feet. But God called it to witness. In the Spirit, it's doing something. 
So if we could go to uh, slide 17 as well. Thanks, Liz. It says, for the land is full of adulterers. What's, what's an adulterer? We think of marriage, but what about something that's got something else? If we're married to God and we have another relationship, something else is, becomes our focus in between us and God, then we're adulterers. So the land is full of adulterers, for because of oaths, the land mourns. And pleasant places of the wilderness are dried up and their course is evil and their force is not right. Now we just saw in those slides earlier that we saw these secret handshake societies giving all these signs and signals. They've made oaths. They've made sacrifices. They've let blood fall to the ground. When you do that, you open spiritual doorways. And that's why in slide 18, which I just quoted before, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because they have rejected knowledge and they, I also reject them from being my priest. Let me explain the word priest in Hebrew. The, priest, the word priest in Hebrew is kohen, K-O-H-E-N. The K is a cuff. The N is a noon. The, the, K is a, the cuff is a hand. The noon is life. And so... K and N is Ken. Any Kens here? Ken means yes in Hebrew because it's the hand of life. Now that's the root of the word Kohen or priest. Ken, the hand of life. But it's got a ha, a hay in the middle of it, which means revealed or behold. And so a priest is a revealer of the heart of the yes. A Cohen is a revealer of God, who is a yes God. A Cohen is a revealer of the heart of the yes, because the hay is in the middle of that word. Does it make sense? Yes, hay means behold, it's a revealed, it's like wow. Our role is to reveal the heart of the yes, and all of his promises are yes and amen. amen. All right, And so it says, I reject you from being my priest since you have forgotten the law of your God. We're gonna write, so what I've just seen here is Leviticus and Deuteronomy, the land is keeping account. The land is keeping account. And because of our lack of understanding, we're being destroyed. All right, not only are we taking toxins into our body and in, in this prayer, at the end of the prayer, it says, awake, basically it says this, let me wake up to those toxic substances that I'm putting into my body and let, let me reject those things so I live a healthy life. All right, but it builds through this understanding here that the earth is calling us, called as a witness. Okay, I want you to see that we can speak to the earth and so if, if you could slide, show slide 19. This is the song of Moses in Deuteronomy 32. It says, Give ye, O heavens, and let me speak, and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. Let the earth hear the words of my mouth. And so Moses is actually speaking to heaven and to earth. We're not doing anything that's not already in Scripture. Are you okay? All right. Well, on that basis, what I'd like to do is to hand out those prayers under Daryl's seat. Now you have the soil in your hands and I, I'm not sure whether if you're viewing this online, whether you're gonna see all of these 
verses. But I've, cho- I've chosen to write them out because on slides, it's 10 slides and it's really quite lengthy, a lengthy prayer. It's much easier to read it on a piece of paper. And I also thought it would be beneficial for every one of us to be able to take this home and allow it to sink in and you might want to perform this again at home. So let me give you a basic outline of what we're going to pray. This is a courts of heaven prayer. First of all, we're going to summon, we're going to enter God's courtrooms with thanksgiving and praise and we're going to, we're going to summon the court. We're going to summon, summon the 24 elders. We're going to summon the angels to be arbitrators of God's law, or God's judgments. Or we're going to ask God to be seated as He is in Psalm 47. We're going to declare God as God most high. We're going to put... Um, and cancel any hexes, curses, words that have been spoken over us, words that we've spoken. We're going to ask God to cancel those words and put limitations on ourselves. And so I'm not sure, Liz, whether you had a chance to put those all up then. You did? Beautiful. All right, now, does everybody have a little? Who, ha- who doesn't have one? Uh, over here, so I wonder, are the blue pill or the red pill? And if you are viewing on home right now, you got opportunity perhaps to, I don't know, it sounds like it's raining out there in Adelaide, but if you, where you are, you can get a teaspoon of soil from your garden. Put it in your hand, or like we've done, put it in a bowl or a bag. Have you got one, Leslie? Well, has Daryl got one? Here, yeah. hey, Liz. Now, whenever we say a prayer, we've got to connect it with faith. I, I roughly want you to know where we're going so that you're not stepping into something unknown. But I want, faith has to be activated when we're, we're doing this. I've shown those verses prior because we need to understand that it's, it's, the earth does, it's been called to witness in the law. And it's the law that the enemy holds us accountable to. And so if we are the sons of God, we need to declare that and we need to start to act like it. And we need to, to start to assert that authority. And I believe that that authority starts seated in heavenly places. Amen. And so this prayer begins and it says, Heavenly Father, as a son of God, I enter your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise and stand in your royal and heavenly courtroom through the blood of Jesus. And I ask that the courts be seated according to Psalm 47, 1 to 9, but in particular, with a focus from five to nine. Heavenly Father, I've come to receive your righteous judgments over my spiritual inheritance and destiny here on earth. According to Psalm 103 verse 20, 
I call upon the holy angels to be supernatural enforcers of your judgments on my behalf. And I also summon the 24 elders, Revelation 4, 4, 5, 8, and verses 10 to 14, to be witnesses to this legal and righteous transaction. I also decree and declare that all the demonic powers, whether they be principalities, powers, or rulers of darkness that are subverting my prophetic destiny here on earth, will respect, honour, and obey your righteous judgment over my spiritual inheritance here on earth. Is everyone okay so far? Heavenly Father, your word says, if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 9. Heavenly Father, forgive me for any ancestral or personal sin that has caused the earth beneath my feet not to give me of its fullness. I choose to forgive every person who has ever hurt me, even as you forgave me in Christ Jesus. Before I speak and command the earth to shift in my favour, I confess I am a man slash woman of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Therefore forgive me for binding and limiting myself with my own words. Speaking wrong words about others and, and cut me free from the bonds of words spoken by others over me, I can add there. I release and let go of every brood of, brood of business in Jesus' name. Is everyone okay? Okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it would be, it'd be great if you did. If you want to own it, you can say amen, but it'd be better if you did actually read it. Does everybody have a copy of that prayer? Beautiful. I will slow down. I'm sorry. I apologise. It was a sped reading. Heavenly Father, as I prepare to speak to the earth, I denounce all illegal spiritual trades that my forefathers and I ever made in Satan's trading floors in spiritual realms that have given Satan the legal grounds to subvert my financial prosperity and the establishment of my destiny here on earth. I repent of all violations of God's law and holiness that my ancestors and I created on Satan's trading floors. Heavenly Father, I petition your royal and supreme court to issue a decree releasing me from the spiritual consequences of every illegal spiritual transaction. I appeal to the precious blood of Jesus to wipe out everything Satan has on me in his accusatory tongue and prosecutorial records. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Heavenly Father, I repent on behalf of this land, Adelaide, South Australia, Australia. You might wanna name your suburb and street, and it's up to you. Kingston Avenue, Hope Valley. For all the shedding of innocent blood, especially that of aborted babies, I decree and declare that I will not be a vagabond or a fugitive on earth like Cain, who was cursed from the ground. I decree and declare that the blood of Jesus Christ now sets me free to prosper in every area of my life here on earth. Now I say, and I want you to point to, with your fingers to the earth in your hands. Are you okay? Earth, earth. Hear the word of the Lord. I stand before El Elyon, the, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
I call his holy angels to be witnesses and enforcers of this legal and righteous transaction. It is written in Psalm 24 verse one, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, of the world and all they that dwell therein. It is also written, it is also written in Psalm 115 verse 16, that the heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth has been given to the sons of men. Heavenly Father, according to your word, you created the earth, you filled it with the fullness so that everything I would ever need to fulfill your will for my life would be provided for me from your creation and the resources of the earth. Heavenly Father, it is also written in your word that you have given dominion over the earth to man, Genesis 1.26. So in front of El Elyon, the Most High God and the Lord Jesus Christ, I prophesy and take authority over the earth that this country stands on. I say, earth, earth, I command and charge you to open your mouth and release all the blessings that the Lord ordained for me to possess and enjoy from being from before the foundation of the world. I ask this in the mighty name of Jesus of Nazareth. Hear these words of mine. Earth, earth, I release you this very moment from any demonic ploys, covenants, curses, hexes, or witchcraft spells that have been brought into effect by the children of wickedness. As a highly exalted ambassador of Christ and joint heir with him, I release you earth from the burden of having to obey the words of the children of wickedness. Earth, earth, I decree and declare that you will no longer be subdued by evil words of those who have despised the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and his glorious kingdom. You are now legally and righteously relieved of your duty to the children of wickedness. I now employ you in the service of Christ and his kingdom. Earth, earth, Hear the word of the Lord. I now command you to open your mouth and swallow every demonic altar, witchcraft, spell, subversive activity, ploy, plot, and plan of the enemy to destroy my life and destiny. In Jesus' name I pray. Heavenly Father, I appeal to the judicial testimony of the blood of Jesus to wipe out every legal right and standing that the adversary had in the courts of heaven against my real estate, land, and or that of my city, and or country, in Jesus' name. I give back everything of benefit that would not cause the enemy to say, I've made you rich. I only want whatever comes from the presence of the Lord. Heavenly Father, you said, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and forsake their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal the land. Heavenly Father, I ask for your forgiveness for the actions of our forefathers that defiled this land. I ask you to grant me a righteous verdict concerning the land that the soil in my hand represents. Earth, earth, hear the words of and it is the good of the land, favour and divine relationships, businesses, investments, employment, physical health, 
and material prosperity into my life in accordance with the predetermined counsel of God for my life in Christ Jesus. Earth, earth, hear the word of the Lord. I decree and declare that my physical body will never return to the dust until my spirit has finished its divine assignment here on earth. In Jesus' name I pray. I cancel and nullify the spirit of premature physical death in my life. I will live a long and healthy life in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, I now speak to the earth that makes up my earthly body, saying, Earth, earth, I command you to open your mouth and remove every desire for unhealthy and toxic foods. I charge you in the mighty name of Jesus of Nazareth to embrace a new appetite for life-giving foods that glorify God and extend my physical life here on earth. I decree and declare that my earthly body will be overwhelmed by divine health as it is this moment. In, in Jesus' name, I pray. I decree and declare that I receive God's supernatural healing of all the members and systems of my physical body of earth. Heavenly Father, I now make a motion and ask you to seal this proclamation and make it part of the official documents of the courtroom of heaven that Satan's kingdom cannot subvert in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I also request your royal and supreme court to issue a divine restraining order against any territorial spirits that would like to visit upon me what your supreme court has just delivered me from. May you assign high-ranking angelic officers of the courts of heaven to enforce this divine restraining order in Jesus' name. Amen. Woohoo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If we've said that in faith, then things have changed. And we're positioned, uh, rightly so, as sons of God in this place. Amen. I think it's probably an appropriate time here, just as, as we close, and I know we're a little bit late, forgive me, just have communion and thank the Lord Jesus Christ for His death, burial and resurrection and ascension. So I believe that every communion is a focus or an opportunity to focus on one aspect or at least, you know, one, it might be multiple aspects here tonight, but one aspect. And I believe that we should celebrate the fact that he has given us dominion over the earth. And we've come to a new knowledge and understanding of that dominion. And uh, the foe that we're fighting, uh, the Lord rebuke you, Satan, amen. And we, we hold in our hands the symbols of that victory already. So let's partake of that victory and that triumph that we've just entered into in that prayer in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you for the broken body. And thank you for the resurrection power of your blood because the life's in the blood. Amen. God bless you all. Come on.
Come on, that was, wasn't that awesome? That was just so, so good. Such a delight to have you guys bringing so much wisdom, so much revelation, so much clarity. Because you know, deep down inside, we all know that the earth is designed to be subject to who we are in Christ. We, already, we always know that. But thank you so much for, for really pouring yourselves out into for the last two weeks. We really, really appreciate it. Let's appreciate them again. It was really, really amazing. Really, really good.